0: Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now, let's dig deeper. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Tim Cockrell, and today we're going to be discussing the Great Commission that Jesus gives to all believers in the final verses of Matthew 28. My guests this morning are Tom Carr and John Harkle who are both members at Grace and were focused on carrying out the Great Commission in their individual context. Tom, let me start with you. Can you give us a little bit of background about how you and your family have been involved in pursuing the Great Commission over the years?
1: Yeah, I was raised in this church, and so I've been around for a long time, except for the time that I was overseas, but but uh, God has worked in my life and work and And moved me to serve in in missions overseas. Uh, For 24 years we lived in Japan as church planters, worked there and uh, to see uh, churches grow in in Japan and uh, since that time he has moved me out of Japan into uh, pastoral training ministry in uh, countries in Asia and so that it's what I'm presently doing.
0: That's really exciting. Now, Tom, on Sunday, when you were sharing a little bit with us during the worship service, you talked a little bit about how the church shaped your desire to be involved in the Great Commission, even from a young age. And I know a lot of people that serve in children's ministry or in youth ministry were encouraged by that. Can you share just a little bit more with you, with us about how the church shaped your desire to carry out the Great Commission?
1: Well, basically in every step of of growth, you know, through the Church Christian Education program there, I can go back to times in which teachers specifically uh, emphasized missions, specifically gave us tasks that would make us a part of missions, and uh, again, through each level of, of growth uh, from primary age to junior age to junior high to high school, college, uh, this church was involved in uh, giving me opportunities to uh, be involved in missions, be involved in outreach, and uh, that was very instrumental in God moving me
0: to where I am now. Thanks so much, Tom. I'm really excited about what God is doing in you and through you around the world. Hopefully, as we go along, we'll be able to hear a little bit more, especially about the the teaching and discipling modules that you guys are doing in in Asia and beyond. As we think about the call to make disciples, this also requires us to think strategically about how to reach our neighbors locally. I think sometimes when we think about the Great Commission, we think about out there and around the world, and we don't always think about right here and in our community. John, can you tell us a little bit about the ways that you and your family have worked to share the hope of Jesus with the people right here in our community in Cedarville?
2: Sure. Yeah, my wife, Jewel, and I moved to this area in, in 1995, and um uh, as newlyweds and it was became obvious pretty quickly to us. We just, the Lord just always seemed to be bringing us into folks lives who were, we maybe would say unchurched or didn't know much about the Lord. And, uh, just seems like the Lord gave us a lot of opportunities to interact in the community, uh, that wasn't associated with grace church or the university. And, uh, then along came our son, our oldest son, who's now, uh, moved out of the home but uh, he was the most outgoing person I've ever met and my wife would be at the store at the park and basically grab uh, my wife and say aren't you going to tell this person about Jesus (laughs) and uh, (laughs) it just seems like there was countless times where we were forced into what we would say were awkward situations by our outgoing son And we just got to know a lot of people in the community that way. And as as that grew over time, we started to gain more and more of a burden uh, for the lost that are right in the shadows of the steeple here. And about 10 years ago, we uh, were burdened to start a a bus ministry on Wednesday evenings to uh, basically bring children in who maybe didn't have all their meads net at home. Uh, nutritionally, and we were able to uh, coordinate a a large volunteer effort to feed them dinner and then get them into the GPS program. And then here recently in the past five years we've been able to start Thrive Ministry, which is a ministry that uh, serves the community for uh, maybe underprivileged families or children that need help tutoring. And also serve them a good meal, and then we're uh, very, very intentional about uh, delivering the gospel multiple times through that evening. Right now, we're having this, that Thrive Ministry on Monday evenings here at Grace.
0: That's really exciting, and it's just such a good reminder that even living in a small town where you know many of the people that we know are Christians, there's still a vast mission field that's there. Amen, and John. I'm curious, you know, if someone is listening right now and they say, well. I really want to reach my neighbors. I want to reach my community, but I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know how to begin building those bridges. I don't have a son that uh, pushes me outside my comfort zone. Where would you encourage them to start in trying to build those community connections?
2: Well, uh, something my wife, Jewel, is is really good at is asking people over for dinner. And uh, that, that has gone a long way for sure. And then also just being aware. People have physical needs. um often that need met and sometimes that's a good starting place to try to be aware of physical needs. I, I joke that Jewel has the, the spiritual gift of furniture acquisition <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, she seems to be aware of when somebody needs a bed or a dresser or a washing machine and she somehow networks and within a short amount of time finds something that we can get to somebody and that's a great inroad to be aware of that, but also emotional and spiritual needs. Um, we've been learning to be aware that there's usually some kind of big problem in somebody's life, and just being able to willing to listen and to even pray with them has, uh, has been a, a great inroad.
0: Excellent. Thank you, John. Well, as we looked at the Great Commission on Sunday, we focused on the central command that we are all to make disciples, not just converts or students. So here's a question for both of you. How would you define what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? What are some key characteristics that we should be looking for?
2: Well, when I, when I think of that question, I think of John 15 and abiding in the vine. So there's this commitment to to be in Christ and then growing in Christ and bearing fruit and Christ is so specific in that passage when he's talking that he says without me you can do nothing so it's just Mm -hmm. this full realization that we're fully dependent on him for us to bear fruit or accomplish anything good and then as the as he continues to talk there in John 15 um, he has that eye-to-eye connection with us where he says if you love me you're going to keep my commandments so I I think a, a disciple that is growing in the Lord has this deepening yearning to just obey the Lord in all things, and, uh, and we we know that we never arrive, but it's just a continuation.
0: Excellent, Tom. How about you? I think
1: that's a great answer. Uh, <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just a couple other verses that came to my mind: uh, uh, be imitators of Christ. Uh, as be imitators of me as I am of Christ Paul said uh, Ephesians 4.1 to walk worthy of the gospel uh, Romans 8 be conformed to the image of, of the son uh, those are some ideas that, that resonate in my mind uh, again I think the, the idea of uh, adopting the values of Christ the responses of Christ uh, the mindset, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, uh, uh, Philippians two five. All those are very much a part of it uh, of discipleship and being a disciple. Again, the the outcome is fruit, uh, fruit of the spirit, Galatians five twenty two twenty three. Uh, I think those are all very much a part of the uh, of the equation. Um, but uh, just the idea of we want to become like Christ.
0: That's really helpful because I think when we think about evangelism, especially often what we're looking for is for someone to make a decision or pray a prayer or, you know, walk an aisle, if you will. But that's just one small part of discipleship. That's maybe the beginning, but it's not the finish line by any means. And so what I appreciate about, you know, what both of you brought out there is that it's a process in in which our Our hearts are changed, our desires are transformed, our our love for Christ is deepened, and that none of us arrives this side of heaven, but that we are all in process as God does that work in our lives. Well, when we think about growing as disciples of Jesus, what have been some of the most significant influences in your own discipleship as you have grown and progressed in your faith? Who are some of the people, the, the books, the sermons, the resources that have shaped you along the way? Well, I, I uh, again,
1: as I mentioned earlier, the, the, there's probably been at least a hundred people in this mm. church through my life who have had an impact in. Uh, who I am and and my situation in, in relation to the gospel and and discipleship and uh, I couldn't begin to name them all and we don't want to take the time to do that but but uh, it's just a tremendous number of people and uh, and I'm very thankful for them and 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 uh, praise God for them being in my life. Um, several books have also been instrumental. One of the more unique books, I think, is uh, the book ne- titled With, and it's uh, written by Sky Jathani, and I would recommend that to anybody in terms of what their walk with Christ ought to be. Uh, Bruce Wilkinson's uh, Personal Holiness in the Times of Temptation was a tremendous uh, uh, challenge to me uh, as he uh, just, the work that he does to, to root. Sin out of his life it was yeah. uh, just a, really mm-hmm. a tremendous testimony to me. Uh, another book on prayer that I always thought was rather fascinating was uh, "Developing Your Secret Closet of Prayer" by Richard Burr, and uh, it has to do with praying Scripture. And there are other there are several books out now about praying Scripture, but mm-hmm. this was one that really uh, mm-hmm. touched me. So, I, uh, books have been important resources, sermons. Uh, yeah, all of them. They're all, they all play a role. Uh, and mentors as well has play, have played a
2: role. But uh, just some
0: books. Excellent. Thanks, Tom. John?
2: Well, I just feel really spoiled in this department. I was raised by some incredible parents and uh, who had an authentic faith. They, they weren't anything different inside the home than they were outside the home. And uh, I think that was a great platform for me to grow um i'm thankful for several books but a couple that come to mind are pursuit of god by tozer and then it was one called humility by andrew murray Mm -hmm. that uh just really pierced me at just the right time in my life and um my dad was a man's man and we grew up in an environment a rough environment and uh we grew up in a home where uh you know, male toughness was a, a a key component. And so I had subconsciously learned to rely on myself. And mm. I came to a point in, in my young adult life, a breaking point where I can't rely on myself physically or emotionally or spiritually. It's all about Christ and his word. And uh, so that was a very important book for me when I was in my early 30s. And then uh, some a lot of influential people in my life, and I'm thankful for even here at Grace, but probably the one that stands out the most right now is my father-in-law, who uh, has spent a lot of time with me over the years, and as Tom mentioned about praying scripture, my father-in-law has actually written some books about praying scripture. And then his mentor, Oliver Price, wrote a book called Praying with Christ, Obviously Present and Actively in Charge. Mm. And just trying to practice some of these things about Christ being right here with us. And then praying the power of Scripture and not our own emotions. <laughs> um, I've learned a lot from my father-in-law in those in those realms.
0: Mm. Yeah, just two observations in listening to both of your conversations about your growth and discipleship. One, often our growth and discipleship is a complex web of relationships. And it isn't necessarily like there's one mentor that walks us through, you know, all our years of growth, but rather there's lots of different people that God uses in moments and experiences and seasons. And so as we think about investing in other people, it doesn't mean we have to be there everything to help them grow. Sometimes it means it's a single conversation or a word of encouragement. And secondly, you know, even as you reference some of the books that have been influential, discipleship is hard work. Like we have to be intentional to be studying God's Word, to be reading good books, to be connected to our church, to be authentic in relationships. It's not going to happen just automatically. And so I appreciate the ways that you've shared those influences. Because God uses a variety of things, including his spirit and our obedience, to help us to grow. Well, even though most of us would agree that it's important to share the gospel with others, I'll speak for myself, we often struggle to actually do it, to step out and share our faith. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles that prevent people from sharing their faith with others? And how would you encourage people to overcome those obstacles?
1: for me, I think the biggest factor is just being scared of messing up a relationship. Mm. Uh, you just, you're working on a friendship and you, and you you enjoy the people and, and, and you say, okay, when is the right time to dive in and having wisdom about the right time to dive in and, and just not, not sure how they're going to respond. And, and uh, what they're going to do, I, I think that's a, a huge obstacle uh, for sharing the gospel. And I, I, if I recall correctly, you brought this out Sunday morning that it's just a matter of this is the most important thing in the world, and it isn't. If we just, it's, you, you, it just has to be taken care of. It's the biggest decision anyone's going to make. What they do with Christ, and uh, we, it just needs to be approached. It need, and we need to uh, be obedient to, to Christ in, in speaking the gospel, but also uh, realize that uh, you know, usually medicine doesn't taste good, mm. and, but it, we still take it, and, and this is so important, and we have the right relationship that is in a place that, that we can openly share. Uh, but it is, again, that, that concern that we're going to mess up a relationship but it's it is so important that uh, there's times when you just have to take that risk.
0: Right, that the, the eternal consequences of not taking the risk are mm-hmm. greater than the immediate consequences of how they might respond. That's really helpful. Thanks, Tom. John, how about you?
2: Yeah, to a certain degree I would echo Tom's thoughts there. I, the scripture says the fear of man brings a snare mm-hmm. and uh, there's any number of scenarios that I may be in, or any of us are in, where we fear what might come once I say something. And so it's overcoming that fear. Um, It's, you know, kind of that (laughs) instantaneous prayer when you're in a situation like, Lord, help me to trust you more than I, (laughs) to overcome my fear here. But another thing I've been trying to think about recently is, um, as mentioned in the sermon on Matthew 28 this past Sunday, all authority has been given to Christ on heaven and earth, and uh, he's our supreme commander. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes, if we maybe on the manly side of things, if we think more of a military component, it's he tells us in Second Corinthians 5 uh, 17 through 21 he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation, and then in verse 20. It says that God is actually pleading through us mm. for the souls of these folks. And if we see as that you see it as our supreme commander commissioning us to do these things, we know it's not our strength, our power, our wit, anything that we're doing. we're just conduit for the gospel and overcoming that that fear, that natural inset fear that we have just to obey the commander is something I've been trying to think about lately.
0: Mm-hmm. And ultimately trusting the results to him. Amen. You know, that we don't have to have the, the perfect words or a, a catalog of theological knowledge. But, you know, I, I heard once a, a pastor say that often people are most receptive to the gospel when they're in trouble, under tension, or in transition. For sure. And, and so sometimes I think if we just look for those opportunities, mm-hmm. not to where we have to just hit them with a fire hose of information because I think there is a danger that we can treat people as, as projects rather than as people that are loved. But as Tom was saying, still being willing to, to speak out and take that risk, you never know how God's going to work. Sometimes the, the most fruitful conversations that I've had have been the times where I felt like I just messed it up all along the way, but God in his spirit used it to, to work in that person's life. Well, as both of you have grown in your faith and worked to live out the Great Commission, what are some key lessons that God has taught you that you think might be helpful for others as they work to make disciples, whether that's in evangelism or helping someone just take the next step in following Jesus?
2: I think for for me to address this question, I have to get historical. Good. Um, I got to go all the way back to 1930 when my dad was born in Washington, D.C., and uh, was born and raised there, and uh, went and fought in the Korean War and came back, and was working in a grocery store in 1953, and he was dating my mom, who also worked there, and a lady named Mrs. Freed would come in every week for her weekly groceries. and the way it's been accounted to me she didn't miss a week where she asked my mom and dad to come to church with her Mm -hmm. and I wish I had a count of how many times but it's my understanding that it might have been the better part of a year where she would do this and my parents would at that time they were just dating but would not um, accept her invitation and finally one day she came in and my dad said yes I'll come and so my parents both went and the gospel was presented and my dad went forward and accepted Christ as his savior and he was all about 2 Corinthians 5:17 he was a new creature new creation once a huge radical change in his life and I'm just so thankful for Mrs. Freed because I'm one of seven children all seven of us and our spouses love the Lord by the grace of God There's 25 grandchildren in our family Mm -hmm. and 47 great-grandchildren and still counting. And by God's power and grace, the vast majority of all those children know and love the Lord. And we know that that's God's choosing us from eternity past. But from a practical standpoint, (laughs) if Mrs. Freed hadn't asked my parents every week, where would we be? So that persistence... I think subconsciously it's become a mantra, and my wife's even better at it than I. She's so persistent. She doesn't nag, but she just she's there for people, mm. and uh, we've seen that pay off.
0: What a great picture that is too of of that principle of multiplication. Yeah, you know that a single person through a single conversation, by God's grace, as you've done a great job of highlighting. Can have a ministry of multiplication that has exponential effects, often Amen. far beyond what we ever see, Amen. and that's just so encouraging and and trusting that God's going to take our our weakness and our feeble efforts, yeah. and He's going to build His kingdom as He's promised. Amen. Excellent, Tom. How about you?
1: Well, John was given his history lesson that made me think of uh, a woman by the name of Wealthy Johnson. Never heard anybody called Wealthy before, but she, her name was Wealthy Johnson, and she took a little boy named Hugh Carr to church. Mm. And she also took a little girl named June to church. And those were my grandparents. And uh, without going through all the history, uh, they were married and, and had four children of whom one was my dad. And now my children are the fourth generation of mm. cars. Mm. To be members at Grace Baptist Church, mm. and because Wealthy Johnson uh, took children to church, so Amen. that's that <laughs> rang a bell with me, John. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and and I think we've already talked about it some, but just take the opportunities where they happen uh, to to disciple. Uh, one of the biggest frustrations is in church planning was when someone who had been a part of your church moved on to someplace else. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, oh, man, we worked so hard for these people, and now now they're moving on to somebody else. But, but again, it's a, it, a lot of discipleship happens in snippets, uh, unplanned, and, but yet you, you take opportunities where you have them, and then when life moves people different directions, then you hand them off to somebody else and 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 let god work or, or you they hand you off to somebody else and, and god brings someone else into your life to to uh work in your to help in your discipleship process and journey uh so I, you know it's one of the one of the things i've had to learn is that i'm part of a mosaic of mm. of people who are having impact in one person's life or some people are having impact in my life and and then it, it just it's constantly shifting constantly moving uh, different people we have contact with and 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 uh, build relationships with and, and for a time and then it then it moves on and uh, being okay with the idea that okay I had I had this person in my life for this time but now they've moved on I've got this guy's going to bring someone else for me to disciple and to be discipled by.
0: Excellent. No, I love that picture of a mosaic where you know broken pieces of different things are put together to make a beautiful picture. I think that's really helpful image. Well finally, the Great Commission makes it clear that we're called to make disciples of all nations. How can we as Christians here in the United States be actively involved in making disciples around the world? Uh, for me you
1: know it's I, I can't emphasize enough to be involved and committed to the strength of your local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was overseas working overseas for 20 plus years, uh, I'd come back on furlough every fifth year, and I would visit the churches that are supporting me. And when there was a obvious decline in the in the in the health of a of a given supporting church, you now that was that was a bummer. That was that was discouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it it had an effect. I I, I honestly believe that the strength of my supporting churches. Helped my uh, help my ministry over, overseas, or uh, was somewhat of a drag on the ministry overseas. Uh, so it, it, anybody I could, you know, anyone I would say is really God's plan for missions starts at the local church. And the best thing that people can do to encourage the the uh, ministry overseas and, and the Great Commission overseas is to be fully committed and active in making their local church the uh, a very strong foundation on which the commission can can go out from
0: absolutely that's one of the things having been here at grace just now a few months that that seems clearly a part of our church's dna is to be missions minded to be engaged and intentional not just sending checks to missionaries but praying for them sending cards to them um you know learning even about what god is doing around the world Uh, I I love that local church emphasis on on that global reach. John, how about you?
2: Well, I don't know if I have a whole lot to add to what Tom said and um, personally, I feel like we're fully deployed here on the the home court, but we do try to partner with missionaries abroad in prayer and uh, helping them out however we can. And even people like Tom, who are now using using Cedarville as a home base, but they go out. We're we're just loving uh, watching that and seeing what God's doing through those things.
0: Excellent. Well, as we get ready to wrap up, Tom, I was wondering if you would share just a little bit more about what you're seeing God do through some of the modular ministry and and training pastors and doing discipleship in the the global context.
1: Where I work in Asia, uh, I, I work more in a rural setting. I have four locations that are away from uh major metropolitan areas uh actually some are quite quite remote but uh basically you know i i, I could tell i could tell stories about certain things but i, I don't wanna uh, i don't know throw any kind of shade on on these dear people but uh they're 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 working to uh, basically, they're coming from such a uh, such a low level of education and such a low understanding of Scripture that you know, really, some some relatively basic concepts are you know and we're we're teaching them and, and trying to work through them or, or we're trying to correct uh, errors that they've picked up from from other groups that are all over the world as well and and so it just to to uh, throw throw out some some biblical truths and, and concepts that they've never really heard that way and be able to, and, the, and then they, they start to grasp it and, and then they can use it in, in their ministries is really a fascinating, uh, a fascinating process. And, uh, as they learn to more and more to trust me, of course, the first time we're there, it's like, who is this person? But, uh, as they learn more and more to trust me and the, and the teachers that teach with me, uh, and, and, and receive what we're what we're teaching and and see that it's based in biblical truth and we can we can support it with chapter and verse and uh, work through some of the the uh, struggles that they're that they've had and and uh, answers the questions and and how to uh, answer uh, the the religious uh culture of, of their of their location. All of these things and and see the kind of the the eyes brighten up when when they when they catch a when they catch a concept or something That's that's really cool.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting It's such a a picture of second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 You know these things that i have entrusted to you teach them to faithful men that they might teach them to others And as we were even discussing you know who knows how God will use any one of those individual pastors who are being trained up to reach their congregation their community and and into the entire world well, thank you both. Tom Carr and John Harkle Road have been my guests here for this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. And we've been discussing this past Sunday's message from Matthew 28 and how we ourselves can make disciples locally and globally. You can access that message as well as other Grace Baptist, Grace Baptist Church sermons and podcast episodes by using your favorite podcast app or by visiting gracecedarville.org and clicking on the podcast on the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecederville.org. That's contact at gracecederville.org. Plan to join us next week as we continue our discussion of God's Word and we begin a new series in the book of Exodus, tracing how God redeems His people from slavery and calls them into a covenant relationship. Until then, I'm your host, Tim Cockrell, thanking you for tuning in to this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecederville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.